Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwood. Thanks so much for joining me again today on our chapter today journey. We're in Jeremiah chapter 51, and it was verse 64 that resonated this morning. It said, Then say, So will Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster I will bring on her, and her people will fall. The words of Jeremiah end here. Today's podcast is entitled, Babylonian Lessons. Babylon still exists, at least its remnants exist. It was during the U.S. war with Iraq that I first saw images of the site of ancient Babylon. Sitting just over 50 miles south of Baghdad, the walls of the ancient city remain, and one source I read said that about 85% of the ancient city has not been excavated. Iraq began to rebuild some of the walls and a major gate with a long-term dream of restoring the ancient city as a landmark and center for tourism, which I kind of find fascinating. Babylon occupies a deep historical and metaphorical presence throughout the great story, from the erection of the Tower of Babel, Babel is in Babylon, in the opening chapters of Genesis, to the angelic destruction of a metaphorical Babylon in the final chapters of John's end-time revelations, Babylon is synonymous with humanity's hubris, pride, and spiritual antagonism. Today's chapter is the continuation and end of Jeremiah's prophetic message against Babylon, and it marks the end of his recorded prophetic works. Today's chapter is a long one coming in at a total of 64 verses, and it's ironic that for the better part of 50 chapters, God uses Babylon and its ruler Nebuchadnezzar as a vehicle of divine judgment, but in the end, they can't escape judgment for their own evils. As I've meditated on the roles of good and evil in life and history and literature, I've observed some recurring themes. One theme is that evil will at times unwittingly play into the hand of good or become its agent. In my annual reading of The Lord of the Rings, I've been contemplating how Saruman's turn to evil actually creates a chain of events that assures victory for the forces of good at Helm's Deep, which in turn creates the momentum which prompts Sauron's arguably fatal mistake in launching his offensive too early. It was Nebuchadnezzar's own pride, his thirst for power, and self-aggrandizing hubris that motivated his rise to imperial power in Mesopotamia. You can read more about that in Daniel's chapters 1 through 4. Jeremiah's prophetic messages simply reveal how God wove his eternal purposes through Nebuchadnezzar's own power-hungry empire building. Another recurring theme I've noticed in the conflict between good and evil is the fact that evil tends to implode from the inside out. Once again, drawing from my most recent reading of The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam are able to survive Frodo's abduction at Kirith Ungol and make their way into the land of Mordor because all the orcs of Kirith Ungol got into a fight and killed one another. Likewise, it was the conflict between the orcs holding Merry and Pippin that allowed for their eventual escape into Fanghorn Forest. In the same way, I would argue that Nebuchadnezzar's own ruthlessness, arrogance, and self-centeredness assured that his empire could not long outlast him. He failed to look beyond his own life and success 
in order to ensure his descendants would be a dynasty that in turn would ensure his legacy for generations to come. So in the quiet this morning, this has me thinking about my own life journey. There is so much in life that I cannot control. I live in a fallen world in which evil exists and holds sway in so many ways. This trek through Jeremiah has reminded me that even evil can unwittingly become an agent of God's purposes. I may not escape the momentary pain and consequences of evil, but I can trust the larger story God is authoring, knowing that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, as it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Likewise, when I see evil succeeding on the landscape of current events, I can take solace in the fact that evil eventually implodes. And in both of these observations, I just might have to wait for it. I end this morning with Peter's words, which came to mind in the quiet. Quote, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day, it's like a thousand years. And a thousand years, yeah, it's just like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. I hope you have a great day, wherever this finds you, my friend. Lord willing, we'll be back here tomorrow.